Acknowledge me. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. Oh, smile like you can kick your face off. I'm done with that. You got me mad now. You know you got a bad tickle. Feeling good. All the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of energy again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. I love purple. I was like, yes, <laughs> like this guy's awesome. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. Are you humanoids? Get ready. I don't know where the kid is that was a ride list, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Christian's a man! Oh! And I have passed the brain to see But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you I know my wrestling. Nick, he, don't know, he don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling. Like he know that wrestling, boy. <laughs> he was about to hop over the table. What? <laughs> you are empty, break your heart. What a beast. Fuck. Boom. No sleep, no food. No nothing. Just maniacism. You got the water, man. Give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in that land, and welcome to episode 365 of which is available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson of The Inquirer and Wrestling Junkie, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone of Fox PHL The Gambler and Philly Influencer, and we have a special guest in the building as well. It's like the same week that CM Punk comes back to AEW, it's the second coming of the third man, Brian Isley. Hey, Brian, man, what's up with you, baby? that old camel toe. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, apparently, that. he has clips of me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, what's good, man? Long time no see or hear, but uh, it's always love. I miss you guys, and I'm happy to be back, man. To return. Of course, Brian Eyes would be out here in these comedy streets. What's going on? What, what's, yes. what's going on in these comedy streets, Brian? Give me the latest. Yeah. Give me the scoop. It just just been grinding, man. Like, all day, every day. Uh, I'll be in Atlanta next week um, Ooh, featuring nice. for uh, Talent Harris at the Uptown Comedy Corner. And then uh, it's, it's, it's off to L.A. And I'm, I'm just out here working, man. Just I got a book coming out. So oh. just... Just a lot of a lot of work, man. Since I last heard from me or seen me, I've just been in these streets, like you said, just grinding. <laughs> in these streets. And I got to do my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pants. Nick, how you doing on this beautiful Sunday afternoon? I had to check the time to make sure we were in the uh, afternoon. Afternoon, my good brother. <sighs> well, Phillies ain't doing me any favors, so I'm <laughs> just biding my time till uh, football season, I guess. Man. Let's get let's get rid of summer, but let's forget about get it. Get rid of summer. We just and got here. Let's go. Let's go. We just got I don't here. Need We're it. not even here. I don't We're not even it. here technically. <laughs> right. It's really just June. It's Pride. Pride just started. It's happy Pride no, Day to everybody in Philly celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good day. Everybody true out in the streets. <laughs> let's get the summer over with. No. I am done. Well, I'm, I'm done with the hot weather uh, anyway. So <laughs> I think we had like what one ninety day, one yeah. ninety degree day, and I'm already over it. So I was going to say we didn't even get hot yet. They've been. It's, it's going to be a real hot summer because the the records have been getting 
broken. I saw yeah. I was on watching the news. Uh, the, the one time we had a 90 degree day, I think it was June 1st. And it hasn't been that hot on June 1st since 1923. So yeah, we're happens. in for a very hot summer. Huh. That happens a lot lately. It's like that global warming stuff is just kicking our ass. <laughs> like, you, you would think it was real at this point. <laughs> right. You would think. You know, you know, you got these extreme weather patterns all of a sudden. Hurricanes hitting in Jersey multiple times right. a year mm. now. Yeah. Fat. Tornadoes. Tornadoes, yeah. Tearing houses apart. Like, but you know. Yeah. It's science stuff. We ain't pushing that agenda on nobody here. <laughs> <laughs> the science agenda, you know, one based in facts and experiments, stuff like that. No, we didn't. Yeah, who cares about that? We didn't do that type of stuff. But <laughs> we do other stuff, including deep dives. <laughs> the only thing that matters. That's a great segue. The only thing that matters. <laughs> right. This week's deep dive, it is not a a wrestling event. It is a wrestling documentary. It is one of the most famous wrestling documentaries ever made. It is Wrestling with Shadows. I don't know what the title has to do Rep with the actual film itself, Rep. but it's memorable. I don't know what shadows Bret Hart was wrestling with, but here we are. <laughs> so, Yo, you know what, boy? I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what the hell does shadows <laughs> have to do with getting screwed? I don't understand. It, it's like a fetish. I don't I don't get it. Like, what, what's happening here? What, what's this? It sounded like a cool title that the writer just couldn't let go of. Like, the director and the people who produces, like, it doesn't matter. Just throw it in. It's cool. <laughs> like, it's, it's it fits. It doesn't, but whatever. It we doesn't have. at all. Um, but yeah, Wrestling with Shadows from 1998. We're going to dive all into it. We already did my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pants. We introduced Brian Nisley. Anything else going on in the world of pro wrestling? We got CM Punk back in AEW. Shocking. It's officially announced. You know, <laughs> no everybody knew that, that was going to happen. Right. We all knew. And it's kind of like after all this buildup, it was just like, and he's back, y'all. We'll see y'all and June 17th. I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like the original plan was like, all right, just at, not introduce him, wait until the first episode of Collision. But apparently ticket sales have been real bad. So Tony felt well, like, hey, CM Punk is going to be there, by the way. Get your tickets. Like, they're almost <laughs> I mean, they're not, like. They haven't. I don't think they're, they're, they've opened up as many tickets as they usually do, but they're almost out of the ones they've made available. So I don't know if it was that particular show, but the other shows after that, are doing poorly. <laughs> like, yes. The ones in Canada are doing poorly. So, yeah. Oh, that's in Canada. Part oh, of it. no. Yeah. Maybe those are the shadows <laughs> Brett was talking about. Maybe. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about Canada and this you, Wrestling Brian. with Shadows documentary. Yes, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, 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 we'll see what happens. This is really, it feels like only the beginning of what, what's next in AEW. Either we, they can have uh, a great time and everybody makes money and together and get along or all hell breaks loose and CM Punk leaves again. <laughs> like, it's like once they uh, finally decide to make a wrestling angle out of all this, it's just not going to work because <laughs> like, people aren't going to be able to go the past it. On that, that uh, I think the ladder is going to happen again. Hey, that's yeah. not a terrible bet to make. That's a safe assumption, all. I think, <laughs> with, yeah. given all the parties involved and how much drama and nonsense with grown ass men. By the way, these are all men with like they're like over forty. It's wild. That this is happening. But here we are. It's it's a done deal. CM Punk is back. What happens from here, who knows? But uh <laughs> it's funny that we're going back now 
to Wrestling with Shadows because there's a lot of backstage drama in this documentary as well. <laughs> We're grown ass men. <laughs> grown ass men, some of whom are over 40 and got kids, but grown men. Uh, before we kind of dig into it, what kind of before we, you know, dig into the details, just like, what are your thoughts? What are your memories about Wrestling with Shadows before we kind of watched it before, before the show? Like going into this deep dive, what were your kind of memories and thoughts about wrestling with shadows? Nick, I'll, I'll start with you. So when we started this podcast, I, I really didn't have a favorite wrestler, like whatever. I just liked wrestling. But, uh, you know, through the shows we've done at Wildfire Radio and, you know, now, now that we record our podcast, it, Bret Hart has become one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, along with uh, Randy Savage. So those are my top two. And... Everyone else is a distant second if I like really like them. So watching, but watching this, I, I don't remember if it was, so it says it was released December 98. So I don't know when I first watched it, uh, but it was definitely, I think on A&E. I think A&E was the channel that aired this documentary. And I, so I probably watched it at first in 1999 at some point. So this is already, you know, an old story. So I was kind of like always viewed Brett as a whiner, a crybaby. Uh, God forbid, you know, I side with Vince McMahon, this rich person who's like, uh, you got to do what's right for the business and the business that made you. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, yeah, Vince, like screw Brett. Like he, he's a jerk and all that. And looking back, definitely not uh, what I, the opinions I share today. Um, I think it was really awesome that Brett took himself seriously in a in a industry where a lot of people try to break you down as much as they can, and uh, I don't know, re- watching this documentary back for the first time in years, um, you kind of you know you understand where Brett's coming from. You know, back when I was younger, I didn't understand where he was coming from. I'm like, you can't take yourself seriously. Wrestling, it's wrestling, blah blah blah. But you know, there there's a reason why he took himself seriously, and a reason why uh, he felt like he stood for good. Uh, in an industry that, you know, rarely rewards that. So, uh, you know, watching this back, I thought it was uh, still made Brett look good in a way, um, but I could still see why people would view him as a crybaby and, you know, a whiner and just, you know, do the job. You're leaving the company anyway. And it's like, man, at the very end of it, you know, when they he says that Vince McMahon and WWF murdered the Hitman character, he couldn't have been more right because in WCW, he was not Bret the Hitman Hart at all. So um just kind of sucks. Like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, uh, really having a real-life, you know, fight within himself and within his boss and like, just please don't let me lose in Canada. I mean, like you kind of... Like, this man kind of also created that little bit in Brett, too. So, in order to, you know, take himself seriously as he did. So, you know, I don't I don't think anybody came out of it looking good. I'll say that. Um, I will, I will say some people came out looking worse <laughs> than That's others. True. Uh, I don't know. You can definitely have, uh, I would say thing to nitpick about Brett in this and where he's coming from, but Vince looks far worse. Absolutely. <laughs> just, absolutely. It just is what it is uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Brian, I would, what are your thoughts on 
uh, what were your thoughts going into Wrestling with Shadows before we did this deep dive? Uh, first, Bret Hart is is my favorite wrestler ever, um, and I was I man I was I was so pissed off at how they how they screwed him and but I was also happy that he was going to WCW like I lost my mind when he wrote the WCW in the sky <laughs> when he was in the ring like I I was so happy about that it was just so it was it was seeing it all unfold was just so shocking like man I know they're trying to push the envelope to make things more reality based but this looks really like reality because it was so like I was I was caught up in all the drama and that um the the promo that the interview that Vince had with with JR afterwards the Brett screw Brett that was legendary that created the Vince McMahon character in a lot of ways I, I say this all the time Bret Hart doesn't get the credit that he deserves for spearheading the attitude error, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. Bret Hart was a huge chunk of that between the uh, the rivalry with Stone Cold that got Stone Cold over, um, naming the Generation X, getting screwed by Vince and Vince becoming Mr. McMahon, the most vilified character in wrestling history. Bret had a huge part in the attitude area era and didn't get to reap any of the benefits from it. He joined WCW when WCW was starting to lose and eventually lost. Now he got the bag and everything, but as you can see in wrestling with shadows, he didn't even want that. He wanted to stay with WWF because he felt loyalty was the main thing. He was willing to stay and sign a dumbass 20-year contract <laughs> to stay with Vince because he looked at yeah. Vince as his dad. And his would dad not, would not recommend signing a 20-year contract with somebody. <laughs> absolutely not. That's ridiculous. I... I I forgot about that part, and I was watching the document. Twenty years? What the hell is wrong with you? I would have ne never, no. What is the the three year nine million? Yes, let's get this bag and let's be out. And he 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 was already forty at that point. So why the hell would you sign a twenty year contract? But anyway, um, I just all the all the details and the drama surrounding it, and I. Me personally, Bret Hart's heel turn is my favorite uh, outside of Hogan Bash at the Beach 96. Bret Hart's heel turn was so unique because he was a heel in the States and a god in Canada and probably everywhere else in the world. But he was the most hated man in America as far as wrestling goes. So it was just so it was it was just so unique. I never seen anything like that. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. So that's my that's that's how I feel about Brett. I just think Brett's the best ever. He's my favorite. He's a lot of people's favorite, man. You hear a lot of fans they talk about who's your favorite wrestler growing up. A lot of people say Bret Hart, especially from my generation. Cuz he was for me at least, you know, I grew up I was born in 89, but I was kind of post Hogan. So he was like the first wrestling hero I saw was Bret Hart. 
Yeah, you were definitely post Hogan. He was all the way bald at that point. <laughs> yeah, the cul-de-sac was fully formed. <laughs> <laughs> fully evolved. <laughs> full full neighborhood in that in, in that man's head. Um, but uh, you bring up a good point about the twenty year contract that I don't think not a whole lot of people have talked about. It's like why would Brett sign that at forty when you, the contract expires when you're sixty? You're obviously not going to be wrestling at that point. Uh, Facts. You're not going to see the lifetime of that contract unless they like. And I don't know. I mean, that contract would have expired in 2017. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know how to, that contract could have got ripped up and torn up, which it did at it any did. point between then. <laughs> So yeah, it's just that's you see that twenty year contract lasted one year, <laughs> right? And you see a lot of sports and athletes. I mean, look, this is the '90s, so people are still learning a lot of different things. But today, you don't see a lot of athletes wanting to sign like eight, nine, ten year deals. They sign three, four, and maybe a five year deal is a long term deal now. Five but, years the max, right? A lot of guys sign like three or four year deals because they want to be able to keep getting new contracts. You, you you live out the maybe live out the three years. You get 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 paid three years. Only three years later, when you're still sort of in your prime, you can collect another bag, and then you sign another three year deal. And you can collect another bag. Like that's that's the way you want to do it. But Brett said, "I'm loyal to the soil." Twenty years. I think I was sorry when I signed the deal. Brett had <laughs> leveraged himself against Turner's operation and bid himself up so much, and everyone around me at that time it's was saying, oh, "You can't let Brett right. go." I listened to them. I think I'm sorry that I did. That's Vince McMahon speaking there, saying that Brett leveraged himself up. He, he bid himself up so much that it's his fault. He's <laughs> made himself worth so much. Oh, Lord. Uh, Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Right. 100%. You know, he, he said, I'll give Sean the belt. I'm going to take off. And then let's, like, WCW is going to have a crack at me. Let's see how far they could go and see if Vince will pony up the money, which he eventually did. Smart on Brett. And then it's just funny that a year later, and this, like, Brian, you had mentioned Brett kind of ushering in maybe accidentally the Attitude Era because he was not a fan of the way the direction was going, and he made that clear in this documentary. And I think that Vince obviously saw that, and Brett was very outspoken about that in the documentary, so it makes me feel like he was very outspoken about that to Vince himself, um, thinking that, you know, maybe this is too far. Can we kind of turn the direction? Vince was just like, no, like this is what we have to do in order to compete with Turner. Uh, Vince kind of, you know, I guess persuaded everybody to go along with it or Vince was persuaded to go along with it and then kind of persuade everybody else to go along with it. But that's where they were. And it's just funny Vince saying he couldn't afford that contract for Brett where, what was it? Three months later, he gave Mike Tyson $3 million to he, he had to show get up rid of Brett to get Mike Tyson in the building. Right. So yeah, I feel like Vince realized <laughs> the odd man out was going to be Brett, number one, because of his disdain for the direction that WWF yep. was going. Sean embraced and, it. Brett didn't. Right. And, and Sean the fact that he's like, I'm not going to be able to use Brett even like against Austin when he's the champion because Brett's just not going to like the direction we're going, so I don't want to hear you know him complaining about it all this time. So let's just get him out of here. You know, like it, as crazy as that sounds, you know Vince has made crazy decisions before. So that that would kind of be my not knowing you know the ins and outs of their thought processes. Uh, that would be my guess is why Vince was just so brazen and being like, you know, a year later being like, all right, Brett, like we need you to go because. Uh, 
you know, maybe not telling him specifically you're not in our plans, but basically to me, it's saying you're not in our plans. So hit the road. That's, that's the way it kind of seemed. We're going we're gonna to dig into it. But let's talk about the documentary itself. Wrestling with Shadows. It was released on December 20th, 1998. It was co-produced by Hydro Productions and the National Film Board of Canada, which is interesting. Uh, written, it was written and directed by Paul Jay, who is a Canadian journalist and filmmaker who has directed multiple documentaries and is the editor-in-chief at TheAnalysis.News. You know, if you're checking that site out here and there. Uh, he also directed uh, the Life and Death of Owen Hart documentary, which makes sense. He has hmm. connections with the Hart family. He's re- done wrestling documentaries. That makes sense. Uh, he's been around for a long time, but Wrestling with Shadows is still probably his most famous work as it won multiple awards. It won Canadian Society of Cinematographers Award for Best Cinematography in a Documentary. It won two Gemini Awards, one for Best Picture Editing and Best History slash Biography in a Documentary. It also won awards at the Canadian International, the Nashville, and the Banff, Banff, B-A-N-F-F, Film Festivals. And like you said earlier, Nick, it aired on A&E in the States and in BBC in the United Kingdom. Uh, it has an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes of 89%, but it does not have an official score. So that's interesting. I'm surprised nobody's given it like an, an official rating on Rotten Tomatoes yet. Uh, j- just based off because how popular of a wrestling documentary it is. Uh, but like I said, it is widely regarded as the best pro wrestling documentary ever made. It came out a little not long before Beyond the Mat, which was also one of the best wrestling documentaries ever made. So like back-to-back years in like 98, 99, into 2000. We had fire wrestling documentaries that really showcased the behind the scenes. Not like a WWE doc where they want to do their own revisionist history. Real journalists covering this from an objective perspective. And we got to see a raw, no pun intended, look at how things go behind the scenes. Uh, but uh, this little factoid here that I'm about to read is from uh, IMDB. Uh, according to Paul J., the after the incident in which Bret Hart punched Vince McMahon in the face... McMahon refused to allow any footage or other wrestlers from WWF to appear in the film, naturally. <laughs> he got punched in the face. Uh, WCW, the rival wrestling company, this is according to IMDb, of course, offered Jay a deal to show the film on pay-per-view. Jay was then offered a deal from WWF, which would, al- which would allow the footage and the wrestlers to appear as long as he turned the deal with WCW down. Jay believes that someone in WCW was an informant for McMahon. So, <laughs> so apparently somebody went to Vince and was like, yo, WCW is about to air this, bro, without your consent. Like, they're going to buy it and air it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> Come on back, and we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll work it out, okay? Yeah, I, we got to at least be able to have some say in this so message. Yeah, it was, was released in December of 98. Brett was already in WCW for a year, so it's like almost old I, news, but not, you know. It's, it's not that funny. old, man. Something like I that know, happens. We're going to be yeah. talking about it a year later. We're still <laughs> talking about what happened at All Out last year. And that was nine months ago. <laughs> so, uh, But what is Wrestling with Shadows about? On the, the National Film Board of Canada's website, their synopsis is, In this feature-length documentary, director Paul Jay was giving unprecedented access to the world of Bret Hart and pro, pro wrestling as his camera followed Bret the Hitman Hearts for one year, going behind the tightly guarded walls of wrestling spectacle and mm. theater. That's theater R-E. That's how you know it's good. Ah. Mm. The film explores the meaning of today's wrestling morality plays. As fantasy crosses into real life, 
the true story of Bret Hart's struggle with Vince McMahon, the legendary owner of WWE, is revealed. Hitman Hart, colon, wrestling with shadows, climaxes with the tale of the biggest double cross in pro wrestling. Man, that's deep. That's, that's exciting. I, I am Cornholio. Why did I get a Cornholio reference in there? <laughs> Click the wrong thing, damn it. Again. I'm very good with that, and I clicked the wrong damn clip. <laughs> keep telling y'all, keep telling y'all, it's me. Y'all be messing up when I'm on. <laughs> uh, I might just leave that in. You should. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, leave it in. Why, why not? Uh, but what will you get out of this film, in, you know, in summation for me, is that you get a, a look at the psyche of a lot of people, a lot of important people in the history of wrestling. You get a look at what he thinks of himself, which is very highly. <laughs> and what he thinks of pro wrestling. Uh, and, of course, you get a look at and just kind of see how cold and callous Vince McMahon can be. When in one breath yeah. he can just l say, hey, we can do whatever you want, Brett. And half hour later he's <laughs> saying, screw you, and ring the bell. So very interesting look behind the scenes at the people so that are in pro wrestling. And I want to say, I have some clips uh, throughout here for this documentary. And you just said you got a glimpse of how Brett views himself. And this clip will perfectly describe and that. And me, I'm Brett the Hitman Hart. Now your kids are pretty safe if they're watching me on Saturday mornings. I send out a pretty wholesome message. The Hitman stands for sticking up for yourself and to never quit. The one thing I won't do is lie to my fans. The one thing he won't the do. One thing. Is lie to his fans. He won't. He won't be faithful to his wife. Oh, he'll man. just never lie to his fans. <laughs> Good lord, he got real. Oh man, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Did not see that coming. The one thing he won't do <laughs> is lie you to his fans. One, you had that one in the chamber. Man, God dang! Uh, <laughs> I still love Brett. I thought he do was your you? favorite. Do he you? is. He's your favorite wrestler. He is. You don't, you don't oh, we got, I, I call a spade a spade, too. You don't I, miss any opportunities yeah, yeah, as, to throw dirt on that man's name. As you should. I will say this, though. Uh, in, in the beginning, they showed um, they showed Sonny and in that, in that interac <laughs> her interaction yep. with Brett. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you said you were going to give me notice. <laughs> <laughs> Brett hit that, my boy. Oh, yeah. You think so? Absolutely. <laughs> look, look, look. So I'm watching this with my wife, right? And she she's she sees Brett and Sonny talking, and and she had we had just watched in this timely Dark Side of the Ring with about Tammy uh, Stitch and Kiss yeah. Candido, and I was telling her like, yeah, she was messing with Shawn Michaels and stuff like that, and it was real bad, like it was a real crazy situation. And then she's then she watches this, and she's like. Was she messing with Brett too? <laughs> like, well, as far Word. as we know, they weren't. What the hell is going on here? As far as we know, and I don't think either side, I don't think Tam even Tammy has said, like, nah, and she's written a whole book about messing around with Shawn Michaels. But <laughs> as far as I know, as far as we all know, that's never what's happened between them. But I understand what you're talking about, Brian, with the vibes you were getting. That That is. I hit vibes. That's I mean, like, <laughs> Brett literally said, we're just friends. Like, oh, come Yo, on. Yo, that's what like, you say. <laughs> exactly. That's what you say after you 
<laughs> and that's then, just my homie. When you fast forward to Survivor Series, when they're backstage, Julie's talking to Sonny, and you're just like, whoa, like, what is Julie thinking right now? Look, <laughs> look, look. As far as we knew, Brett didn't have any sunny days like Sean. Sean had a lot. We know that for a fact, but. And Sean corny for that. He was. Yeah. We all know. We all, yeah, that's a whole def- separate discussion. Because <laughs> like, he knew full well Chris Candido couldn't do nothing to him. Um, but that's for a different discussion. Right. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't get a look at, you know, we hear Vince telling Sh- uh, Brett that he has to lose to Sean uh, at Survivor Series. And Brett, you know, at, at, in the beginning, you're like, what? why is he saying? Why is he doing this? But, like, he equates it to having the hitman you know, blows brains out. You know what I'm saying? That's what he equated it to. And you, when you first watch this, it's like, that's a very serious way to look at this. That's not quite that serious. But when you watch it and you really think about it, it's like, pervert, like character wise, they kind of did that. Like he was the first victim of Mr. McMahon, the hitman, the hitman was. Yeah. When you really think about it, Mr. McMahon's first victim and that set the tone for everybody else moving forward, whether Steve Austin, The Rock, whoever. I could do you like Brett. He was the example. Word. In real life and in storyline. So I was like, yeah, man, he's kind of right. Because like you said, Nick, the Hitman was done after that. There was no Hitman in WCW. That was it. Because the Hitman stood for something. And when he went to WCW, he he was a he was a heel. He was doing all kinds of weird stuff, and that's like that's not the hit man. He wasn't even Bret he Hart. Was just he was Bret just, Hart. Yeah, he was Bret. <laughs> like, just Bret. Bret. Bret with two T's too. It's like oh man. Oh, like yo, like for real. Messed him up. Yeah. So as serious as that sounds, uh, and again, you get this footage of him, you know, going overseas, you know, seeing all the kids, and he's comparing himself to a god, you know, overseas. So, again, Word. clearly thinks highly of himself, but it's not totally wrong when he thinks about that. But then we flash back, go back a year, go back to 1997, to simpler times, to happier times, when Brett is in Calgary for the Calgary Stampede, and he's also there for the Canadian Stampede, the pay-per-view. And we see Brett in the locker room with Savio and British Bulldog and Neidhart, and they're going over a promo. And we also get to see Vince Russo in the background, <laughs> looking stupid. Mm. Okay. <laughs> And then they go over a part where a part of uh, the promo where Nightheart's going to finish it off with a line, and they're like going over it, and he's like, "Nah, that don't work. That don't work at all. <laughs> like that was terrible." <laughs> but then they actually did the promo, and they actually nailed it. So it look at that. But it was an interesting look to see how some guys like workshop things. Like they're talking about it. He he says it, and Brett looks at him. He's like, "Nah, that ain't that ain't it. <laughs> like, we got to do something else." And they they, they hit it in the end. Uh, they talk about gold dust and how he, you know he gives off. Uh, the androgynous, and I think Brett called it homophobic vibe or something yeah. like that. And yeah, he did. And then he's just like, "Oh, he's just a Texan, you know. He's just he wears his cowboy boots and stuff like that." And he's just they just explain why people love pro wrestling and who these people really are. Like they talk about Vader being. He calls him Brett calls him a big baby who can get his feelings easily hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know what he was trying there. <laughs> yeah. This guy, remember, this is '97, bro. This is when yeah. men didn't have feelings, so. Yeah. Especially some of the They didn't even have feelings. And then you got somebody the size of Vader. He's like 400 pounds. Like, he's like negative feelings, supposedly. Right. But then, you know, that's not true because he's a human being. 
Uh, he's talking about getting his real estate license while he's lacing up his boots. <laughs> right. <laughs> Buying strip yeah. malls. Right. <laughs> right. Like, baby, you could just stop wrestling then. Like, you about to get paid, baby. Um, and then Sonny talks about how big of a fan Bret Hart of a of a Bret Hart fan she was back in the day. Uh, which I'm sure added to Brian's suspicion about whether <laughs> hmm. um, hmm. he cracked, you know? bro. <laughs> he cracked, bro. Like it, it ain't no way you can tell me different, bro. You can't change my mind on that. I will say this, look. I don't know nothing. You you know, I don't know nothing. But and Brian, if your wife saw you interacting with a woman like that, what would she say? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> like what you doing? Oh, you kick here, y'all y'all keep y'all having fun, huh? Ain't What's no, so funny? Ain't no talk ain't no talking. <laughs> Pos- possessions on the front lawn. Get out. <laughs> anytime anytime a woman like is laughing at your joke and they put their hand on your chest and then their head follows that and she got her head all nestled in his chest and laughing up. Come on, bro. You know that thing those, that we got are, now, like Netflix and chill. It used, to, it used to be a blockbuster night. Blockbuster nights. It was blockbuster sunny nights, sunny, <laughs> sunny, sunny blockbuster nights and sunny days sunny out days. this show. Uh, we didn't get a look at, you know, Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon and Brett is not shy about saying he hates Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it was it went from like he's say, you think he's saying these nice things, I guess minus gold us, like say these nice things nice things about people. Then he's like, I hate Shawn Michaels basically. It's like, oh <laughs> word. Right, <laughs> he kept it real. <laughs> and so did Brett, I. It's <laughs> one thing about Brett, he won't keep a gangster. Like he don't like switch up. Right. Like he even hating Goldberg for twenty five years. <laughs> and, and will never not hate Goldberg. Right. He will he always consistent. hate Goldberg. You know exactly where he stand on people. You know exactly where and, he stand with you. I don't bang with you. And like you that. know exactly why he doesn't like Goldberg. Like <laughs> he'll lay he, it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing you gotta like about Brett. He don't I play around him, with people. I, I specifically asked him not to hurt me. And we got in the ring and he hurt me. <laughs> I don't like Goldberg. I'll never like Goldberg. He's no good. He's not a good wrestler. He's a flash in the pan. I hate his guts. That's a <laughs> verbatim quote from Brett. That's, <laughs> That's exactly what he said sometime in the past. You could just look it up probably and easily find it. Uh Brett then introduces us to his big old family, and we get to look at the Hart House, and which had twelve kids in it at one point. Good lord, Jeez. like raising twelve children, like all within like similar ages, and like they spread them out. I mean, you can't really spread out ten, twelve kids. You got to have them kids in succession. So you got eight boys who I know is tearing the house all the way up, and four girls who all married wrestlers, and all the boys became wrestlers. So it clearly. Wrestling runs deep in his family. And then you look at Helen Hart. And Helen Hart, she looks like she has had enough. <laughs> and she admits she has had enough. <laughs> okay? She is tired of her house being turned into a dungeon and people screaming in her house. She is done with wrestling. And she's not shy about it. And also, Julie Hart, Bret Hart's wife, she's also done with wrestling. They are over this wrestling stuff. Okay? It's been in her whole lives. 
Helen is like, I thought it was going to be a couple years, and it's been 20 years. <laughs> like, it's been yeah. 30 years, 40 years. Yeah, she said, uh, Stu, how long are we going to be in this? My man said, two years. <laughs> <laughs> Eight wrestlers later, they got a promotion. <laughs> like, like, come on. And then we get to talk about Stu. He's talking about stretching people back in the day, which is, you know, legendary stories of Stu Hart shaking people's hands and filling them up. Like, hey, uh, you're looking this strong there. And then he breaks their arm off or something like that out of nowhere. And he's like in his 70s. And you don't want to hurt him, but he's hurting you. <laughs> like, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, he, like he, tearing, he tearing you limb from limb. You know, and then like, Brett, come get your pops, Brett. Like, come get him. Like, he touching me again. I don't want to have a slip disc messing around with Stu. Uh, and then Brett explains his philosophy on wrestling. Which gives you a lot of insight into his style, like in, into his obviously his psyche, his psyche, and how he can you know goes about his matches. And when you watch his matches back, you're like, oh, that all makes sense now. Where in his mind is that the art of wrestling is that no one gets hurt, which I think is something that's lost in today's wrestling. Like they do a lot of stuff and they beat the daylights out of each other yeah. and they get hurt and they show off all their bruises and like blood and cuts yeah. and nicks and it's like. You're not supposed to get hurt. <laughs> that's that the whole was, point. It's supposed yeah. to be not real. And I like how Brett like it. It's like that's the art of it, where it looks as real as possible, but you can go back to work the next day, basically, type of thing. And that, right. that was kind of what he was saying. And it's like, you know what? You're right. You know, and Vaughn, you're right. It's kind of lost on today. It's like you have a say, like a a match clash of the Cashel, like Sheamus and Gunther, and you know. I don't think those guys wrestled for like another week or two after that because they just they're big meaty men slapping meat. So you know, like you hey, can't. Yo, <laughs> that's a big Elon. You remember that? Yeah. We were talking about Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pause, Nick. Nick, you got to pause that, Nick. <laughs> Oh my god. Yo, hey, far, yo. That's far worse. <laughs> Shout out Kevin. He said, Oh, you gave me a rope? Well, I'm gonna take a mile. <laughs> Give me an inch, I'm gonna take a mile. That's it. Yo. You cracked the door, I'm running through it. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah. And then we Brett, get and then they oh, showed like footage of Brett like kicking people in the face and stuff. It's like, oh wow, like yeah, everything that Brett did was so believable, and I think that's part of the reason, obviously, I started really liking him, realizing he didn't never had, like, a bad match, and everything never. looks legit, and it's just like, damn, he was probably the best at what he did. Honestly. The only really bad match he had was against Goldberg. <laughs> right, and he that's got true. hurt. And it really enhanced, my, like, your thoughts about Brett. It's like, okay, he is intentionally, it looks good, though, and he's, mm-hmm. people don't get hurt. You might be sore, you know, but like, right, right. like you said, you, the wrestlers today, they will take photos of all the damage that match did to them. It's like, man, that's not supposed to happen, no. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, make it look real, but don't act. Go be an actual fighter then if you want to get beat up. Like, <laughs> I blame just, Mick Foley for that. I don't even know if I blame Mick Foley because you see Mick Foley now and he's, you see his body. It's like, that should be like the warning, like. And I don't know if Mick Foley was hurting other people as much as he hurt himself. Right. Well, you see guys, they go in there and they're like, well, we're going to beat each other up. Yep. Okay. <laughs> like, and it's like understood. But Yeah, Mick was kind of like, here, throw me off the cell. Right. So you don't have to. Like, you know, it's do this uh, to yeah, me. I dig that. So you don't like, 
So he'll take the brunt of it, to, uh, you know. Which is still okay. Not I blame ECW then. Beyond the Mat, man. One of the we did that uh, documentary deep dive uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. So that's in the archives. Yeah, but yeah, but Mick, boy, I'm not sure Mick boy. knew The Rock would beat him, you know, in the head eleven <laughs> times with a chair. But he was just like, yeah, oh, give wild. it to me, and that that was it. Rock was like, okay. <laughs> you go back to I listen to our deep dive about Beyond the Mat, and of course the best part is when Terry Funk is begging Dennis Stamp to. <laughs> referee his last his quote-unquote last match in 97 he's like just do it for me dennis <laughs> dennis is like i ain't booked i ain't going so funny <laughs> love it <laughs> one of the best scenes in, in wrestling history um and then <laughs> we get a t- we get a little deep dive into the heart family and how uh you know the family the kids would get bullied because they're they were from a wrestling family, and people looked at them like they were freaks because they were, oh, my God, they're big, yeah. tough wrestlers. You're not even real. And then Stat, the Stu would sucker people into the basement and tear people apart <laughs> like, <laughs> and beat all their dads up, and nobody would bully them no more. <laughs> like, you know, And that's how things went in Calgary out there in Alberta. And then we get stories, again, about Stu getting people in the basement and you could hear people wailing throughout the house, right? And they got this clip of a recording. <laughs> That they play of a who this person is don't know, but this man is an agony. You know why we don't know? Because he never wrestled again after that. (laughs) (laughs) He's I'm done with this wrestling stuff. (laughs) And like you hear this recording, and you just hear this man yelling, and you hear Stu like, "Be a man, (laughs) have discipline." discipline. If you didn't know any better, you you think something totally different is going on in this recording, bro. Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. I just don't know what's going on. Okay. And then you actually get a visual. I'm like, okay, that's that's comforting. And we see Stu <laughs> calmly stretching this guy, this one poor guy, and turning his lips blue. And it's like pointing out, like calmly pointing out, oh, yeah, you see his <laughs> lips are blue. He's so relaxed now. as he's doing right. it. Like, it's, he's still that's teaching. That's the hilarious part. Yeah, exactly. Like, you see the vein here. Uh, <laughs> Poppins about to burst out of his head here, uh, and it's like you know, if I don't let go within the next twelve seconds, he's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> word up. <laughs> and homeboy is like, I'm dying, and he's like, Yeah, you see. Uh... <laughs> but he was real. He was real respectful about it too. He was. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. I feel it. Yes, sir, <laughs> sir. Like, bro, he's killing you, and you he's still wild right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, about the, he's tearing cartilage in your shoulder right now. Hey. <laughs> like, yes, sir. <laughs> he, he cranked up more. It's like whoa, like he's on a roller coaster. <laughs> I feel it, sir. Like what? What are you on right now? This is wild. This is pretty wild. But then we get like, this is kind of dark to me. But it was like, and they touched on it for a quick second, but they didn't dwell on it. And how Brett talks about how he was afraid of Stu. Yeah. And like he would get stretched to the point that he thought legitimately he was going to die at times. Right? And that Brett didn't hold it against him, but it sounded like Stu doled out a lot of punishment to his kids. When like he got 12 kids running around there, they probably acting up. And his form of punishment was to stretch them in the basement. I'm sure them kids was going through it. Okay? So, yeah, this... When you hear that, that's kind of tough to hear from Brett. It's like, oh, I was afraid of my dad. Yeah. You know? It was also kind of weird that Brett didn't really call him dad. Mm. Yeah. He Stu called him Stu. It was like, it's Stu. like the, the hearts are the Jacksons. What's going on here? 
<laughs> why are you calling this man by his first name? <laughs> right. I don't know. I think some people do that when they like their parents get older. They don't even call them mom and dad. It's calling by their first name or something like that. I don't know. I've heard some people do that. I don't do that, but and I probably get looked a strange look in my face and like, what you call me? Like, Listen, even my man. daughter calls me, she'll mess around and say my first name. Like, what? 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 Who am I again? Like, hold on now. I mean, yeah, my my jokingly, I think my youngest daughter did that once. Called me, mm-hmm. uh, called me. I, What's up, Isley? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> What's up? but no, she, no, never. Like, this is not the way it's going to go down tonight, players. <laughs> Real talk. We can use Uncle Teddy Long in the home, I, handing out discipline. I guarantee you, after he said that, he put somebody in a match with The Undertaker <laughs> <laughs> or a tag team match. Either one. There's 50-50 chance on that. Uh, and <laughs> right. <move> on. <laughs> and then we move on to Brett talking about contracts. Mm. He got an offer from WCW, which was for $9 million over three years, which adjusted for inflation is about $17 million in 2023. So about, you know, in the range of 5 to $6 million per, per year, which is still damn good money for a wrestler these days like you're a main inventor if you're making that money money amount of money these days so imagine how big that was in 97 when guys weren't making a million dollars a year he's about to make three big big money life-changing money for 97 right he can buy a bigger house yeah. you can travel different the whole things changes if he signs that contract vince as we talked about earlier for whatever reason offered him a 20-year contract and we don't know. I don't, did they ever say how much money that was for? No. I think it was like, to me, what I gained out of it was it was the same amount, just which is crazy to spread over twenty years. But um, nine million spread over twenty years. Yeah, but like that's just the way they, that's the way it came across, right? Because they never gave us a, a round number. So I was just assuming he that asked, Brett because said, when Brett wanted Vince to talk him back into saying, he's just like, just offer me the same deal. Now, I don't know if he meant the WCW deal or the one he previously had with Vince, you know, a I year prior. I was assuming the 20-year deal, whatever that was. Right. But to me, it was just kind of like the same amount, you know, spread over 20 years. I mean, Brett didn't look like he had a crazy years, big house, so I, I don't know. If you spread that over 20 years, it's only 450000 a year. I'm yeah. not taking that deal. That's if I was Brett, I wouldn't take it, but I'll take it no. right now for Nick Pacone. I mean, <laughs> Nick Pacone will take that. Vin Johnson will take that. But if you're Bret Hart... It makes no sense to take that no. business-wise. But Brett, being loyal, he the decision weighed heavily on him because he wanted to stay loyal to the soil, the company that made him. He literally said, and I quote, loyalty is important. You know, I think my relationship with, with Vince McMahon was always sort of like a father. And I sort of saw myself, if I left, it would have been a little bit like leaving my dad, especially mm. when the chips are down. Uh, you know, the WCW is breathing down his neck. They've overtaken him in the ratings. Uh, it's easy to jump and switch sides then and say, well, thanks for everything. Loyalty is important. Hey, and that's, uh, that's heavy. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not cool with none of that. <laughs> that's uh, heavy. First of all, that's 
This is not your dad, bro. He, you're, 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 you're 11 years younger than him. You got an 11-year-old dad? Get out of here, bro. <laughs> don't be a menace. <laughs> yes. Dad in the bed. That, that, that's stupid. That's stupid. You call Vince dad more than you call Stu dad. That's crazy to me. That's number one. Number two, like 20 years, by the time you're done, you're 60. That's crazy. I'm not doing not that. Not going to see the lifetime Take, of that contract. There's never he's going to see the lifetime of that contract. Exactly. Especially in the ring. That's right. not happening. But so, even outside of the ring, it was never going to happen. And then meanwhile, they're paying him 450 a year. That's what you get. <laughs> like, you know, I don't that, even think it if, I, that, I mean, it was we're, the money. We're assuming that, you know, the, it, it was 20 million I mean, nine million over twenty years. But he said right. in the documentary, he was like, "Vince offered me a deal for far less, but it's a twenty-year contract." He mm. never specified the the bread. He said it was. He said it was the. It was actually far less. Mm. So it could have been less and still a twenty-year contract, right. which and is for whatever absolutely reason, nuts. Brett was looking for security, looking for a long contract instead mm. of the bread. Which look. In Brett's mind, I think where Brett's coming from, he already left his dad once when he went to WWF. Yeah, I remember when they sold to WWF and Calgary shut down, Brett went along with it. So I guess in his mind, he's already left his dad. And the chips were down and he jumped ship. And obviously, he had to I mean, look, you had to. Like, there was no other choice. But I guess in this matter, he's like, look, this guy made me. And there's a lot of people who look at Vince as like a father figure. He, Brett's not the only one. And. You know, I guess again he wanted to remain loyal to the soil, which I would not recommend <laughs> to anybody out there. Because guess who's not going to be loyal to you, Vince McMahon? He will fire you, or that's, he will screw you over in front of thousands of people. So, yeah, that's not just Vince. That's uh-huh, every that's corporate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's every corporate. That's every company in the world. Like yep. you don't. None, none of these people are family. That's why I don't get the whole that that it's like my dad and all that stuff. Vince don't look at you like a son. Nope, he See, got a son. His name is Shane. The, the being the world and champion he don't even is like everything. Him. <laughs> being the world champion is everything. Vince made him world champion, so he's probably that's probably plays a big part in it too. Because like re- it was real to Brett. Right. It was always real to Brett. Right, and Brett, look, he was kind of right though. Like I would, I understand where he's coming from. It's like. WCW winning now, and now all of a sudden I'm going to jump ship because they winning. Like it yeah. makes you look like a front runner, I guess. Even though you really just chasing the bag, but like I can understand why he felt that way. It's like a guilt type of thing, mm-hmm. you know. You, you feel guilty, you know. And, and he and he also knew that he wasn't going to be happy in WCW. He knew that as well. It was really just chasing the bag. Yeah. So felt he, like what Sean was his only rival that he really had backstage at WWF. Meanwhile, it didn't seem like he got along well with the rest of the clique, so <laughs> he's going to have to deal with Diesel, Kevin or Nash Hall, you know, Six, and Hogan, who he had history with. You're right. I don't think he would have... I don't think... He didn't mention that in this documentary, but that probably played a part, too. I was like, you know what? I really don't want to go over there, <laughs> no matter how much they pay me, because like, I don't want to so, deal with those guys. Vince Vince and WWF was home, and like you said, they made him. It made him into who he, who he was. So, but loyalty goes only so far. Oh, mm-hmm. 
only so far. Ominous That's tones. A, a lesson to anyone out there. You can be loyal, but it has to end at a, t- at a point. So take note from Bret Hart. I'm sure he wished he wasn't as loyal in hindsight. Uh, but then we fast forward to the Canadian Stampede, which we've done a deep dive on in the past. Go check that we out. Did. We're going to upload uh, it in July as well. There you go. Uh, but we get a cool kind of look at how they shoot the footage from the match. And the, underneath that, they put audio of Pat Patterson and Bret Hart going over the finish, including the brothers jumping over the guardrail, which looked kind of weird. But apparently that was a plan. <laughs> they talked yeah. about it on Wrestling With Shadows. But it was, it was cool to see <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> yeah, Bruce and Smith or whoever else is there. <laughs> but it was cool to see the foot like hear Pat Patterson and Bret Hart go over the finish and then execute it pretty much exactly the way they talked about it. That was and pretty it, cool, I thought. It, it was funny because watching uh, it live, it's like, wait, why is Austin going after Stu who's sitting down? Why wouldn't he go after like <laughs> Bruce or whatever? Because it's clear right. he's the one who threw the the uh, drink. And it's funny seeing Bret go over that and be like, yeah, Austin's going to think it's Stu, and, which is BS. And that's funny. You can even use Stu's strength to throw and to allow, make I guess, make Austin not look as stupid going after an old guy. But they, it, that's the type of thing. Brett paid attention, and you know the people around him paid attention to every single detail, which is really like part of the yeah. reason I grew to love Brett over the years because there was never a missed like opportunity or something, uh, never a missed detail. It was like everything was talked about. Yeah, him and him and Pat Patterson together were yeah. creating magic. <laughs> yep, you know what I'm saying, and that yeah, and that Pat, match, Pat, it, it was funny when Pat Patterson was going over it because every third word was the f word. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cuts his way to a finish. Yeah, the, the way he thing, was yeah. just describing the finish was hilarious. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna f and jump over the rail. He's gonna <laughs> f and attack Stu. He's gonna think Stu threw it at him. He's gonna f Stu up. I'm like, yo, this guy is crazy. <laughs> Talking the funny part about uh, uh, Steve Austin attacking Stu was Steve Austin saw <laughs> <laughs> like he, he saw he, it he being thrown at him, yeah, yeah, and he knew it wasn't Stu, and he went <laughs> after him anyway. <laughs> it's like Austin almost messed up the timing of that, but it it made it look even funnier. Yeah, that was funny. hilarious. It's like don't go really after Stu, dude. What the hell? <laughs> even though I loved Austin at the time, it's like. What the hell? <laughs> Old man Stu. He didn't do nothing. Except smile a little bit. And then <laughs> I mean, they introduced him and he just had Here a stone face on. And he cracked yeah. a little bit of a smile. And it was like, oh, okay, there he is. He smiled a little bit. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, I think the only time he clapped is when Bret Hart won the IC title at SummerSlam 91. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> time I saw him clap. We've never seen that man smile <laughs> and laugh. Uh, we then hear Bret Hart talk about breaking his sternum during a match. Oh, He's telling his son, like, oh, you, you don't even have a sternum yet. And he talks about, well, one time back in the day, I broke my sternum. And it was apparently in a match against Dino Bravo, which they had footage of, which was great. Yeah. And Brett takes a bump off the apron and hits the guardrail and breaks, according to him, breaks all of his ribs and cracks the sternum. And is writhing in pain on the ground. And he can't even get up on his own. And Bravo, Dino Bravo goes out there and tries to do something. And he's, he, it's clear that he's hurt. And Brett says in his, over, in his voiceover, it's like, look. I just couldn't lose to him. So <laughs> Dino Bravo tries to pin him, and Brett puts his leg on the rope. He's like, he's just a guy I just couldn't lose to. So he puts his leg on the rope, and then just rolled out of the ring and got himself counted out. <laughs> he's like, I'm not letting Dino Bravo pin me. That's not what's happening. 
That was his creative control in 1989. It's like, <laughs> I'm not losing to Sean in Montreal, and I'm not losing to Dino Bravo. I'm not here. losing to Dino Bravo. I cannot, I'm trying to win the title next year. I can't lose Dino. I'm, I'm winning 100% on that, too. <laughs> I just found that, that wild. Real smart. They talked about it with such like sincerity, like seriousness, but like that's hilarious, bro. That's hysterical. <laughs> Like I, this is, and you hear Brett, he talks about it again. He's so serious, and he's like, yeah, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't let it happen. But in reality, that's the wildest thing, Brett. You could have just took that loss. <laughs> Nobody cares, bro. And it's like, real petty, too. <laughs> super yeah. petty. Not to Dino Bravo. Sorry, Dino. You're not over enough. <laughs> I, Brett I, made that decision. I talked about Dino on, on, on your show before. I talked about how much I didn't like him. So I love that. <laughs> Rest in peace, Dino Bravo, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he got shot up in Montreal back in the day. That was, that was sad. That's a dark side of the ring about that, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, about Dino Bravo. Watching a hockey game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's Canadian, obviously. Yeah. So. Uh, but Brett, he eventually got himself counted out, and he was out seven weeks. However, he talks about this. He said, man, look, the checks wasn't great when I was injured. Mm-hmm. They went down to maybe a couple hundred bucks a week, so I had to get back out on the road while still being injured. And again, this didn't click for Brett to be like, they don't care about me. Right. I am injured, and I get paid less. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, and I'm saying things that might have changed by 97 because that's when guys started getting contracts and stuff like that. So things would be different, I, I guess, for him this time around. But it's just like, that's just a business, bro. And I, didn't, I think back in them days... Those are the days when people did get discarded and left with nothing. Like I just watched a documentary about uh, American gladiators. Yeah, I watched how that all them gladiators yesterday. put them to put their bodies online, doing three, four shows in the day, getting banged up, but they couldn't not work because they had alternate gladiators that was ready to take their spot, mm-hmm. and they paid them pretty much nothing. Didn't give them a cut of the uh, the merchandise or uh, the royalties, nothing like that. And some of them are. Just normal Joes living check to check now after being TV stars and uh, being part of a brand that's made probably billions of dollars by this point. They get nothing out of it. So this is the era of people getting discarded and people just not knowing, not being savvy, not really savvy, just not having the knowledge because show business is still, I guess for some in our society, still pretty new. But now I think more people have like some sense and like, yo, we not no, we not falling for that. And especially after the pandemic and people just like, I just will quit the job <laughs> and work somewhere else. <laughs> like word up. So, but again, this is ninety seven, and it's, you know our society we just wasn't equipped. We didn't have the tools yet. We, you know, we hadn't gotten screwed over enough yet. I guess uh, <laughs> at least in on a public stage. You know, you hear about the stuff behind the scenes and you hear about it years later but this happened obviously in real time but it's just it's just different now but it's interesting to hear it back then when you see brett go out there with a broken sternum and he rightfully goes home and but yet he because he don't get paid he got to come back and there's so many other guys like brett that had to do the same thing so uh there's that but we move on they talk about mankind and Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and my, when my wife was watching it with me, she's never seen Paul Levesque not be Triple H. <laughs> so she was like, why is he doing that bow? So what's going on here? Like, he's taking a bow? Like, what is this? But she's never seen that before. And then Brett talks about Steve Austin 
becoming a good guy despite the fact that he's been a villain this whole time <laughs> and the people love him. He calls him the most evil guy in the Federation, which cracked me up. That was hilarious <laughs> when he said that. And then they then they uh, they pan to to Austin just staring into the camera. Oh my god! Oh my god! I almost I almost missed logging in to talk to you guys because I watched that like fifteen times. That was so funny. Oh my god! That's so funny. I'm about to watch that right now. That was hilarious. Steve Austin coldly staring into the camera. Oh my god! <laughs> just Brian just watched it. <laughs> oh shit! It's good. It's good stuff, man. And then Brett talks about the details behind him and his character shifting gears in '97 because now he's becoming a villain, which he hadn't really done on his own yet. I think when he first. Uh, came out with the Hart Foundation, him and Neidhart, they were with Jimmy Hart, so I think they were villains then. But since he became the hitman on his own, he hadn't been a villain yet. And now he's adjusting to that because he loves being a hero. He really relishes that role of being the good guy and being having people look up to him. It sounds also a little narcissistic at times because, like, people need to be inspired by me. You know, I'm their hero. I can't mess up, but it's like... Hey, I understand also, you know, relishing that role. So it's a little bit of both. Then they got this promo where he talks about Canada being such a great country, so much better than America, including not having racism, which is not true. <laughs> there are racist people in Canada. Very racist. <laughs> like, ask Very, like, indigenous people how racist Canada can be. It, it could get bad. <laughs> like, they're really... And they literally call it reconciliation. They're really reconciling with the fact that they've been so terrible to indigenous people for centuries. And also, there's been reports about like police forces in Canada that also arrest black and brown people at a disproportionate rate. What? The Mountie? The Mounties, the, 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 the regular cops, the mounted cops, all of them. <laughs> like, it's just cops. That's what they do. <laughs> so... Even in Canada, where they don't have the, oh, I'm from the South, and nothing like there's nothing like that in Canada, supposedly, still happens. So, whatever. Uh, we then get a look. <laughs> this is a very entertaining <laughs> segment here. Where we're outside in the parking lot, outside of Continental Airlines Arena, as it was known back then, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, before SummerSlam in 97. Where it looks like, judging by the fans... Vince McMahon has started a war of nations between Canada, Canada and the United States. Because they said we suck. They started this war. <laughs> started this war. Because they said we suck, man. What the hell? This is an international incident now. This is, a, this is everything Vince McMahon wants. Every time he does one of these patriotic angles, he yearns, he salivates fantastic. for people to actually turn on each other. And this is in <laughs> New Jersey, really by wanted, the way. This is in New Jersey. It was before SummerSlam 97 when Brett faced The Undertaker. So this is a new, the Continental Airlines Arena parking lot. Like, this is where these fans are saying these things. Yeah. There's one guy who goes, Brett Hart didn't turn on his fans. The fans turned on him. And it's oh, like, bro. Yeah, carrying Canadian flags. right. <laughs> Why? Because the American fans are way over, they're just too patriotic. I, I, I wore this shirt, I took this flag up there, I got called an idiot, a moron, they don't even know me. I, you know, I don't know them, I haven't come out here and said the United States sucks or anything like that. 
I mean, maybe maybe Canada does suck, or, you know, <laughs> it's just it's not what? right. You know, to say stuff like that, if Bret Hart's come to this country and he's wrestled in front of all of these fans, given them years suck. and years of service and won titles, and he's done it all, and, and now just because he's, he's taking the Canadian flag and he's taking his family around him, They've just turned against him. He never, they never, he never turned against his fans. They turned against him. <laughs> Plymouth Rock then, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> That's crazy. This guy said maybe Canada does suck while having on a Canada t-shirt and holding the can Canadian I mean, flag. Maybe, maybe Canada does suck, or, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it does. By the way, the straight shoot is at least I. I'll speak for myself. I don't think Canada sucks. I, I enjoy the Canadian. No. I enjoy the Canadian Montreal. football league. It was great. I enjoy Montreal quite. Oh, I'm looking to try to get to Montreal at some point, and I'm yeah. trying to get to a Grey Cup next year in 2024 in Vancouver. My first Vancouver girlfriend was from Canada. There you go. Look at all this Canadian stuff we like around here. So. <laughs> You know? From uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, to be there exact. There you go. They're trying to get a 10th CFL team out in the Nova Scotia and the Maritimes area of the country. So there's that. But yeah, this was um, this was strange. This was they hilarious. interviewed the strangest people. Cry babies. They can't stand on two feet. United States, they fought. They got all the rights to do what they want. They're the best <laughs> people in the world. I don't care what anyone says, the United States is number one. <laughs> that man is drunk. <laughs> you can't tell me he wasn't. USA fought. They have the rights to do whatever they want. <laughs> okay. Fought and uh, the right to do uh, whatever they want. <laughs> like he stopped thinking and then like his brain Get stopped. Get that bottle like, oh, pick back up. <laughs> you had to pick That's what that Somebody old granddad button. do to you. That's that old granddad. <laughs> Put your brain on pause for a couple seconds. Like he was buffering <laughs> or something. <laughs> they interviewed the strangest people. And then you got one dude who's talking about Shawn Michaels posing in Playgirl. Don't we as Americans say that we love our children? How do we love them if we got a fool like Stone Cold Steve Austin fool. and Shawn Michaels, one running around in Playgirl with a belly with a belly button off, ring in it, and don't hard. even realize one thing. More men look at that magazine than women. What? <laughs> like he was making a point. Right? <laughs> Makes no sense. Didn't, more men went into that magazine than women. Did you know? How how would he know? Also that. <laughs> He's one of those That's men crazy. looking at that he magazine. Gave like a, a head nod, too. Like a little tilt. Like, you know. Like, mm -hmm. you know. You know what that means. Gay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yo, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> Again, happy Pride Day for everybody celebrating here. We're highlighting the double standard here on the straight shooters right. that always exists. Because it's just so wild. And again, this is the 90s. Things were different, obviously. And I'm sure if you saw that guy today, be like, I'm the biggest Steve Austin fan in the world. I'm the biggest <laughs> Shawn Michaels fan in the world. I love, he'd love all those guys. But back then, Steve Austin's a fool. Right. And Shawn Michaels is gay. So you can't possibly look up to him. Like, take it easy. Yeah. Heaven forbid a man finds Shawn Michaels attractive. Like, heaven forbid. The, the, the clutch, clutch the pearls right now. Where are the pearls at so I can clutch them? Then the, yeah, the, the, my, my favorite one, though, is the one black guy with the shades. 
who just like was talking about corporate America because I, yeah. I have that one. <laughs> yeah, America for all its worth in all of its different little areas by any means necessary. Let's take a look at corporate America, and I, and I need I say more. <laughs> yes, you do. Any means necessary. They step on a little guy and they take what they want. Win any way you can. <laughs> that brother swore he was deep, bro. He said America. You know, by any means necessary. Need I say more? <laughs> like, there's like three incomplete thoughts right there. Yes, you do need to say more. You need to explain what the hell you're talking about, brother. And what you what you saying? You do actually. But then you got one woman who was like so inspired by Bret Hart that she went to school for computer graphics. That was pretty dope, I guess. She probably making money now. So she talked about graduating. So good for her. Whoever you are in 25 years. Later, <laughs> Whoever yeah. you are. <laughs> right. Hope that, that that time in computer graphics. I don't know, I don't know how Brett off. inspires that, but okay. Yeah. Like, I don't see the It didn't make sense to me. But people, people find their ways to be inspired. You know, she met him at a, at a signing or whatever and had a one-on-one conversation with him, but we don't get that sentiment from her. We just like... <laughs> Wait, so his promo about Canada not having racism inspired you? Like, I don't... Like, what about him... What did he say that inspired you? Like, America sucks? Like, I, I don't understand. Maybe it was something like, from previous years when he was not a villain in America. Maybe he talk, said something about, like, never giving up or something. And she took that to perhaps, heart. Perhaps that promo when he came back in 96 before his Austin match. When he, like, Maybe. showed up on Raw and apparently Vince McMahon didn't know... It's like, yes, he did. Like, he he would not let Bret Hart come on TV and say, "I'm gonna go into WCW." Like, seriously, <laughs> get out of here with that. But maybe it was that promo. So I think he was talking maybe. about his nephew, right? That was in the hospital or something, and maybe. passed away or something. But either way, maybe. They, by the way, they didn't get none of the names of these people. They just put them on TV. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know who they were, where they were from. It's probably for the better because I'm sure if they maybe. watch this back. 25 years later, homeboy's talking about more, more men meet that magazine than women. It's like, ooh. I don't know that like, was me. Ooh. Let's hide this forever. <laughs> right. Please don't attach my name to that. Or the dude who's like, need I say more? It's like, don't attach my name to that stupidity. I ain't, I ain't with it. Um, and then we move on from that to get Brett's thought, thoughts on D-Generation X. And naturally, <laughs> Brett hates every second of it. <laughs> He likened it to smut television, which is, that's, uh, there were some things on WWF TV that was like, whoa, but uh, DX at times, I don't know if they were smut TV. That might be a little far, but. Um, what? Really? At t- I mean, what, they what were doing stupid stuff. TV? I don't know if it was I mean, They were doing smut. strip poker. They, you know, were s- wearing G-strings. Like, uh, you know I what smut it. is? Yeah. That's pornography. Yeah, I mean, like, they were close enough. Yeah. T- censored and everything, you know, All on right. TV. So, All right. But and you, I, you can tell, you know, Brett is wholesome, so he doesn't like that okay, on his okay. wrestling product. Okay, Mr. Wholesome <laughs> Brett here. But, <laughs> look, my point is, is that... We're study at. <laughs> and I will make this point again probably later, but, like, Brett was 40. He There's a whole generation of wrestlers that are younger than him. Yeah, true. He's... he's angry old man at some points like you gotta look around and see the culture around you has changed from when you were a kid and yeah it's definitely more edgy and more raw no pun intended than what it used to be that don't necessarily mean it's bad like everybody 
I feel like everybody, when they get older, it's like, oh, there's young kids. They don't know what the hell is going on. It's like, they used to say that about us back in the day. And we always look at it like, it's worse and worse. And maybe in some ways it does. But really, we just always clown the kids when they just being kids for the most part. And they're doing dumb stuff. And guess what? It's not going to stay that way forever. Things are going to change. I think things have changed from the attitude there. But obviously, we don't see into the future. But just take one glance into the past and see... Every generation has his old heads going, oh, y'all young kids, y'all don't know nothing. And then, you know, things, they grow up to do the, say the same thing to that generation. But things change all the time. That's my whole thing about this. Like, as much as it's like, it is smut compared to what it used to be. But it's like, also the arena is sold out and merch is flying off the shelves. Like, the company, according to Vince McMahon, is in financial peril. So... Brett also could have had a role. He could have been the opposite. There's a role for that. So, I don't know. That's just me. But yeah. Speaking of financial peril, I don't know if you guys had other thoughts on that. I didn't mean to just skip past that. Uh, he, you know, he could have played that role and I guess he felt like he was playing it, but he was kind of he didn't want to as long as he should have maybe. I don't know. Well, so, that's fair. I do think like I said earlier, I think it was at the point, if you're playing this heel for as many months as he did, and Vince eventually, what, he asked him in September, he wanted out of that deal. So he had been a heel, you know, what, April, May, June, July, uh, August for about five months now. And maybe Vince was just like, okay, that's a, I've seen what I needed to see, but it's not going to help us out, you know, in the direction we want to go <laughs> as long as we may need to. So let's get him out of here, uh, you know. Maybe it was an addition by subtraction for him, you know, in the locker room because he knew exactly what direction he was going and he knew Brett would not uh, adapt to it uh, as, I guess, seamlessly as he would have liked. And being that role of, like, the wholesome, you know, heel going against Austin or whatever, which would have been, like, amazing world title feud. But that's the one thing I regret not being able to see because I think that would have been awesome, but uh, whatever. I think Brett hating the direction that WWF was going in made it for better television because he really didn't like it. So the character that he was portraying was real. Mm -hmm. Like he really didn't like DX. He didn't really like the, 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 the new generation of wrestlers. He couldn't stand it. He didn't like the direction Vince was taking his beloved professional wrestling and turning it into what sports entertainment. So the fact that he hated it could have been used more to have better matches and better feuds and overall better product. <laughs> the, the feuds that he was in while he was there were all great because it was real. He didn't like Shawn Michaels at all, which made for one of the greatest rivalries ever. So, I I just I thought it was dope. I think, you know, maybe they he could have he could have kept it going and, and and kept not liking it, kept hating it, and all all the way to the bank. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, he was just he was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, and Vince was sick and tired of him complaining. So. <laughs> That's my whole point. Like you said, Brian, like he could have just made money with it. Like I understand like it's kind of goes against your morals, but like 
were they were they doing something so bad that you couldn't even be a foil to it, a villain to it? You just wouldn't even associate yourself with it. I understand that it, at times it was bad though. Like added to their there was things and he could have picked and cho- picked and choose what he wanted to be a part of I feel like brett had enough power if he wanted to stick around obviously he was leaving but he had enough power to be like yo i don't want to do that let's do something else but he i don't know if he was ready to do the other things he was just like i'm 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 out on all of it yeah he didn't want to do any of it and i, right, I wonder which, how much vince knew like you know i'm pushing brett to you know the best contract of his career in wcw but his heart's not going to be in it so he's just going to kind of wallow away anyway and I won't have to deal with it. I wonder how much Vince was thinking, you know, the less spread around here, the better, just simply because he wouldn't have to hear him or listen to him. I mean, like, because Brett didn't want to leave. He kept saying, like, yo, talk me back into staying. And Vince could have offered him, like, a terrible deal that Brett could have been like, oh, no. Like, yeah, I can't even take that. And Vince didn't. Like, he he just did not want anything to do with Brett, it felt like, at that at that time. So... Yeah, it's just it's weird that your champion a month and a half after he won the title at SummerSlam, you want you want to get rid of him. It's just crazy. He he within that month and a half, he had to have been approached by maybe he knew the Tyson deal was coming down the road, and that's the only way he could afford it. Like I, I don't know, but uh, it it was a combination of weird things happening. In the fall of '97 and and late summer '97, that was just like culminating, obviously, a summer uh, uh, Survivor Series. But just you know, Brett trying to talk Vince into him staying, and Vince just kind of being like, "I'm good." You know, it's just so weird. It's very weird. It is a a, a sudden about face on everything that Brett had been told and promised leading up to that point where Vince was all about Brett. And then all of a sudden he's like, you can do what you want now. I can't do it. <laughs> and like yeah. making like saying he has to lose to Sean and at Survivor Series, like why couldn't he just put that off or make it sooner? Like why did it have to be at Survivor Series? That's, you know, you could have easily uh-huh. just manipulated dates and be like, okay, you're going to lose it on Raw then. Uh, you could have easily given Sean the title at Royal Rumble and have him feud with Austin until WrestleMania. Like, why did Sean have to win? Like, does Sean winning in Canada make him an even bigger heel than he already is, like, everywhere? Like, I don't know, because he was a heel everywhere. So, it, it's, yeah, like, it's just weird. Like, why not just, okay, Brett doesn't want to do this, but why is it so important to have this happen in Montreal? You know, like I'm going against Vince and, and what he's thinking. But at the same time for Brett, it's like it might garner you a little more sympathy as you go to WCW. But he took his character so seriously that, like Vaughn mentioned earlier, he's sitting in his hotel room thinking he li- he likes it to just stick in a bullet in his head. You know, they're going to kill the hit- Hitman character. and So, again, 40-plus-year-old men, adults, having this issue is just kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but there's a lot of times, a lot of these guys, it's the first time they're going through it, and you would think that Brett would be more secure in his position to know that he can bounce back from pretty much anything. Right. But back in the day, guys didn't. 
bounce back from pretty much anything. They didn't just change sizes often. Like guys go from heel to babyface all the time now. But back in the day, that wasn't the case. So a guy who you know was a heel, or let's say he was a babyface, and suddenly you know he's not the babyface no more. He typically left the territory and went somewhere else and started over again. Same thing with a heel. If you were a heel in the territory for six months, you can't just suddenly become a babyface. You've been crapping on that territory for six months. They're not going to forget. So you go somewhere else and do it all over again. Where now, that's gone. This is only WWF, WCW, and ECW around in 97. So there's not a whole lot of places for Brett to go to make real money. So he's trying to hold on to every, you know, hold on for dear life to this spot. Because it, be, it could be taken away from him. And he could be discarded. And this is the era of people getting discarded. And people still get discarded today, but... You know, it happened so often back then, and he didn't want to be another one of those people. So, I think that's his his a lot of his stuff was uh, to me was just paranoia, and yeah. you know, uncertainty. Um, and then he gets the bombshell thrown on him that Vince isn't going to be able to honor the contract because WWF is in financial peril. Which I mean, I guess first thing in Julie said they were. I don't believe that. <laughs> Julie was right. on it from the start. <laughs> yeah, his wife was not falling for the BS. <laughs> Right. And Brett, despite, you know, his wife being like, that ain't true. Let's go somewhere else. He's like, ah, I'm super conflicted. Right. And he was. He was going through it because he didn't want to leave the company he basically grew up in. The money, though, from WCW was very enticing, obviously, especially because he had a wife and multiple kids at home. But that damn L word again, not love, but loyalty. <laughs> Creeps up with Brett again. Then he's also pissed off because Vince made him give up the role of being number one babyface to Steve Austin, and then turned around made him give up the number the role of the number one heel to Shawn Michaels. <laughs> like, huh. So he's kind of like in his mind he's in limbo, yeah, he's and so he bad. hasn't been number two at anything for a while. So he's like, mm-hmm. what 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 am I doing? And he, I, he was right about that. You know, he said he they sabotaged my career. He was right about that in WWF yeah, at least. And. Could he have been the number one babyface in WCW? No, because Sting was, you know? like So how long would it have taken him to usurp Sting? Probably a while. This is during the build of Sting and Hogan, the Starcade. So he's not going to be the number one heel there, and he's not going to be the number one babyface there. So even just going to WCW wasn't the answer to get away from, you know, Sean stealing his spot and Austin stealing his spot in WWF. So, yeah, like, I ought to, like career-wise, absolutely had every right to feel sabotaged. That's exactly what happens. I mean, but again, I feel like in hindsight, we, we see guys today and even of you know previous years, they get put in bad positions where you're like, why did they put that person in that position? This is a misuse of their talent. And then they, you know, WWF finally gets it right. And then, oh, okay, well, now it works. But like... Yeah, but he was the champ, you know, like... He, he was. I just think that by old... Again, he's, he's come up in the old school. He's very traditional. His dad owned the territory. Brett would have to leave the territory after leaving, after garnering that amount of heat that he had in the United States. Here's the problem. He had heat all across the United States. <laughs> it's a whole country. Where is he going to go? Yeah, WCW doesn't even go like internationally. So right. what is he going to, you know, actually he was a baby face because of the screw job. But if that never happened, would he have been a baby face, you know, in WCW? Uh, without that happening, probably not, because they never went outside the U.S. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, 
again, he didn't have the benefit of hindsight. So I think it manifested itself in paranoia. You know, and again, this is... He should have had the benefit of foresight and listened to us before that. <laughs> we could predict the future. Um, <laughs> then there's a nah, he wouldn't, about, li- he wouldn't have listened to us. He wouldn't have listened to us. He still would have cracked Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, it's live, pal. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> But Brian knows what he saw. Chest. So Brian potty, knows what Brett. he saw, though. He saw the signs. I saw the signs, bro. There's no uh, way. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that really so. Here's the thing. Yo, like Nick. Nick, you love Brett. He's your favorite, right? I love Brett. He's my favorite. When when has Bret Hart ever made you laugh? Never. So she's <laughs> laughing and and key keying at her. You you only laughing at somebody who's not funny because they hit. <laughs> who's not funny? Hey, he's not a joke teller. Hey, Brett's made at me laugh. All. When he clowns people, I can be dying. Brett be hitting people between the he, eyes. <laughs> but he ain't trying to be funny. He dead serious. serious. He dead yeah. ass. <laughs> There's well, nothing what, funny what was, about what that. What was the line? He's like, okay, I'll give you a heads up next time. Like The camera's around. She's like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that, that wasn't funny. funny. What the hell? <laughs> it wasn't funny, but she laughed. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> he put the sharpshooter on her. <laughs> yeah, he put the sharpshooter on her, all right. Oh, man, this is wild. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Keep keep saying that, boy. <laughs> That's why Pat McAfee says so much. Alleged, because right. Brett Favre around the corner waiting to sue him. Yeah, Brett's yeah. gonna listen uh, to this uh, and be like, "Who are uh, the straight shooters? We got a dirt bag." Yeah, Brett's a dirt. Brett, yeah, a dirt. Brett. Two, <laughs> another Brett. Uh, right. Another this Brett. One, this one far more crappy than the other one. Facts. <laughs> as far as we know, he didn't take welfare money from his home <laughs> province of Alberta. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly do that. As far as we know. But And uh, then left Ted DiBiase Jr. hanging. Yo, they really did Ted DiBiase and the whole DiBiase family like left them hanging with well, I'm not they didn't. No let me take that back. They didn't get done dirty because they did the whole state of Mississippi dirty. Let's just say that. But word up. Yeah. They got they definitely got left holding the bag though at the end of the day. Like how did the man dollar man get roped up in this? Or his son? Like what? <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> Did he get exactly a million dollars? Why didn't he just ask his dad for money? <laughs> dad got limos. Remember that video from 85? Where's Virgil? Uh-huh. Virgil. <laughs> don't, don't my man. Don't. <laughs> my guy. Where is it? Oh, my God. And Nick just perked up. He's like, what? Here it is. He Here it is. I loved Virgil. I told y'all I that like, story. Yes. Like, this guy's I, awesome. I told y'all that story at Wildwood when I walked past him. <laughs> He was out there. He had his little booth set up. He had, he had a table set up? I walked right by him. <laughs> Give a damn about no Virgil. I loved Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. <laughs> what? Virgil, man. <laughs> Nick loves some, some Virgil. That's the clip. That's a what it, man? That's... That's a terrible promo from Virgil, too. Nick's got to load it up, man. <laughs> you got promo. You got Virgil promos oh, yeah. on deck. 
You're yeah. the only he's podcast a, in the world that can say that. They're in the intro, too. The Virgil podcast doesn't even have that. Right? Virgil has a podcast? He might. I don't know. Everybody got podcasts at this point. But <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it past Virgil. On the verge with Virgil. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we should trademark that before. Right. That was <laughs> so off the top of the dome. Money for that. That was off the top. I didn't even think about that. That was too easy. Um, On the, the IRG. <laughs> God. Verge. That's terrible. On the verge. Um, <laughs> we didn't get a look at Brett talking about the finish to Survivor Series, which obviously he disagreed with. <laughs> right? He did not agree with that finish. And then he tells his wife, like, oh, man, I'm so thankful that I have in my contract, written into my contract, creative control within the last 30 days. Reasonable creative control in the last 30 days of my contract. Ah! You side of the game on that one. Right? <laughs> Thank goodness. And he's like patting, he's like pointing to his head like, see? See how smart? <laughs> see? see? I did that, babe? And You see how like, smart I was, babe? And then like, Julie Hart goes, but what if they try to screw you anyway? <laughs> and he's like, oh. That's well, not in the contract. Hold up. Like, <laughs> I ain't got to worry about the rest. I have compromised enough. You know, the, I had to put in my contract. For the last 30 days, I have reasonable creative control. And now I'm in a situation where, thank God I put that in. Yeah, thank God. What if something happens regardless? Well, I don't have to worry about the referee tomorrow because I talked to Earl. He swore on his kids that he's not going to let anything happen. And I can trust Earl. Yeah. Damn, Earl. It's the only person in the world that's ever trusted Earl. Because Earl sucks. I love Julie Hart, though. Yeah. But She's just so blunt. <laughs> they still do it anyway. Right. <laughs> they just move Yo. on to Earl Hebner. He, I got yeah. Earl. Earl's going <laughs> to yeah. help me. El- Earl. Okay, boy. bro. If Earl's your best shot, you are screwed, sir. You are done. Yo, we. I know Brett. I I know Julie. Was, I know she was keeping it real all the time, but I knew he got sick of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's probably why He's he like, left. Why you gotta say that on camera? Like seriously. <laughs> Yo, that's probably why he left, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like all, like you, you coming up. I'm coming up with solutions, and you coming up with another problem every time. <laughs> It's a legitimate problem, though. It's like, are you having conversations with Vincent, like, behind my back or something? Like, what the hell? <laughs> are you, oh, are you part of this? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It was like, she's a Hardman jam. Maybe Julie was Vince's informant. <laughs> like, oh, man. That'd be wild. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't even think about that. That's wild. That'd be messed up if that happened. Right? I mean, they are divorced now, so. They are divorced, and this Damn. is why. <laughs> That's trash. <laughs> That's terrible. That'd be terrible if that happened. Uh, <laughs> but moving on from that potential messiness there, again, all alleged. <laughs> we don't want to make any accusations here about anybody. Uh, <laughs> Bret Hart then likens the possibility of being screwed over to rape, which sounds wild. Right, you're like, well, yeah. that's not it. That's right. not it at all. Right. Like, that's totally different. But it, think about it for a second. It's like he did kind of have his autonomy taken away from him in that moment. I think rape is an extreme example. 
but <laughs> I think that's what he was kind of going for. Where it was something that happened against his will that would that would have happened yeah. against his and will. I don't think he would liken it the same way today as he did probably in not ninety eight or ninety seven. Probably not. So yeah, but I, that's what I that's what I think. I mean, again, it's twenty five years ago, uh, and again, he's a very thought very highly, took himself very seriously. So. So him saying something like that fits Bret Hart back in 97. Uh, cause that's how seriously he thought of himself. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. Um, and then this time for Survivor Series. We get Bret, he shows up. He wants to talk to Vince. And Vince is backstage being goofy with Bret's kids. Which is kind of interesting to see. Uh-huh. I don't know if that clip happened the day of Survivor Series. If that did, that's wild. I don't think that did that. They probably edited that together. Because you can't have Vince playing with his kids in the hallway and then screwing them over the same night. But was he wearing the same suit? Man, he might have been wearing the same suit. I didn't even recognize. I don't know. Damn. If he's wearing the same suit, then it's like, damn, he's just that cold. <laughs> That's just what it is. I have... Yeah, there's a couple here. Um, I, th- I have one that's... Brett wears uh, wired at Survivor Series. But I think he did... I think the first one happened before Survivor Series. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this one I think is at. I never ever wanted to leave here with any kind of bad feeling. But this week has been a bad week for me. I feel kind of betrayed a little bit. Well, I do too, a little bit. And again, all we're talking about really is Ted Turner. That's what's coming between you and me. And that's all. I can't tell you how appreciative I will always be for everything you've done. I didn't want to leave with any problems. I actually didn't want to leave at all. And then it's the point where there was no other choice but to go. The way this whole thing has been depicted, it's really hard for me as a hero here to come up short this weekend. Um, what would you want to do today, then? I'm open anyway. I think what I'd like to do is get through today. I think tomorrow I should just go in and do my speech and forfeit the title. I think it allows me a chance to leave with my head up and leave in a nice way. I mean, I don't have to beat you on. We could have a schmoz or whatever you want. I, I would think it'd be a run-in type thing. But, yeah. But I'm open anyway. No, I think that's... I'm open anyway. Like I said before, I'm determined this is going to wind up right well. They're going to be watching you like a motherfucker. Back if it takes too long for you to get up class. Do you feel comfortable with that? I want to run this by Vince because when you come back, we have it all I, hired. Out. Yeah. I want to have it hired now before all the other boys jump in. So as you heard there, yeah, Vince just straight up lied. Yeah. <laughs> like, straight up lied to that man. You hear space. Brett, like, I don't have to beat Sean. It's just I, don't, I can't lose to him. You know, that was his whole thing, so... Yeah, he's willing to compromise to a certain extent. To a certain extent. <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, and Vince is like, oh, yeah, whatever you want. Whatever you want, champ. Do whatever. Just want it to be right. Right for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see it all go down. We hear Pat Patterson again and Bret Hart talking over the finish, which is a nice little like way to tie into the Canadian Stampede finish uh, from earlier. Except this time, things don't go as planned. Okay, let me see now. Okay, we bump the referee. Right. Now the referee's supposed to stay down, and then Sean goes for the sharpshooter. I see. I reverse it, put it on him. Okay. And the other guys eventually come down, the whole thing ends up in a big schmoz. That's the way it's supposed to end. To me, that sounds good. Wow, that sounded Pat good. Patterson didn't cuss. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, okay, I, I, whatever. You, like he wasn't even listening to Brett because he knew exactly what he was gonna do <laughs> at that point. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And once Brett stops talking, he's like, all right, good. He's just waiting for him to stop uh, talking. <laughs> that's a wild. That's wild right there. And then 
I think they splice in uh, Brett talking to Vince too as the finish is happening, I think. I reached around to grab Sean's leg and I oh, could hear someone is. say, ring the bell. That's when I knew it was Vince McMahon. I finally realized that they screwed me. They really screwed me, the lousy bastards. <laughs> the lousy bastards. Oh, you know so, what? Yeah, it goes that down. Was, I, was, uh, I was supposed to play this before that. This is the one you were oh. probably uh, citing. Well, what, what you want to do today then? Trying to rack my brain, thinking about. I mean, I don't have to beat Sean. We can have a schmoz or whatever you want. I think it allows me a chance to leave with my head up and leave in a nice <laughs> this way. Music in this documentary. Mm -hmm. you whatever you want. Okay. Whatever you want. That's not what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> also, the music is very serious. I, I forgot to mention this earlier. It actually like, like peaks me. It, it gets my adrenaline going because then I get mad all over again. You would think Bret Hart actually died. No, the character died, not him. Like, it's not well, I mean, it's deep. But a, a large part of him died, too, because he loved that character. That character was everything to him. That's fair. That's fair. And that was his baby, essentially, right? That's fair. Yeah. That took a lot out of him. I agree with that. But we see it all go down. As you heard there, that was, I think the footage is actually being played is the screw job happening. And Brett realizes it, stands up, looks Vince dead in his face, and spits in it. <laughs> All hell breaks loose. Brett's tearing up stuff. He's, like <laughs> Brian said earlier, he's doing WCW in the air, right? And then we see, go backstage. And we're in the locker room with Brett. He's unlacing his boots, and he's straight up asked Sean if he knew what was up out there. Sean, you weren't in on that? Fucking idea. I got no place. God is my fucking witness. My hands are clean of this one, I swear to God. He's yelling me out there. I gave him the help when I came back here. I will not have any part of it. Sean, mind you, Sean swore to God he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. But when, when it happened, he still grabbed that belt, though. Yeah, <laughs> he, still, he, he still took that belt and left. <laughs> he didn't leave it out the belt. <laughs> I grabbed my belt and left. You know, watching it live as a kid, having no idea what's going on, just finding it weird that Vince McMahon, the commentator, is at ringside, not yeah. even paying attention to the fact that they probably mentioned he was the owner on television a couple times by this point. But me thinking it's all wrestling story. Like, he's not really the owner. It's just, you know, okay, he's the owner. Like, not in real life, though. So... It was always weird to me that I, I still just viewed him as a commentator. So when Michael Cole had asked him before, uh, who's going to win, Brett or Sean? He's like, I don't know. I was like, why are you asking Bizarre. this man? Bizarre. Why are you asking the right. commentator? <laughs> I was trying to explain that to my wife yesterday. She was like, why was that weird? Why wouldn't they ask him? It's like, they don't ever ask him for predictions. <laughs> right. So and they didn't, they didn't ask it like it was a prediction. They didn't say, who do you think is going to win? They said, who is going to win? Right. Like, as if Vince knew already. So weird why they did right, that. Right. I still don't know why they did that in hindsight. Uh, and again, Shawn Michaels here swearing to God that he did not have any involvement, uh, lying to Brett. But look, at the same time, he was told to lie. Vince McMahon told them, hey, deny, deny, deny. I'll take all the heat. So as much as they did lie, they straight up lied. <laughs> they were told to as well. Uh, Triple H, again, also did the same. Even with Brett's wife. Cussing his ass out in front of everybody in the hallway. Did you guys all have a meeting this afternoon and decide the whole thing? Don't give me that shit. 
because you guys knew it. I swear to God. You knew it from the very beginning. All of you. I swear to God, I knew nothing about Yeah, well, about swear this. to God all you want, someday God is going to strike you down. Mm. Yeah. I know well, you're upset, even, but... No, I am upset. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even know anything about You had about just this. as much to do with it as the rest of them. I had nothing about it. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. That really sucks, you know. They all go back to the hotel and have a big laugh, right? A few beers, you know. Just remember someday, Hunter. What goes around comes around. I have nothing to say for you. Yeah, well, you don't have anything to say. <laughs> she ain't lying. <laughs> that meme. Yo. She ain't lying. <laughs> Yo, she is too. She she knows too much. Her <laughs> intuition, her intuition is on a Crazy. thousand, bro. That's Crazy. why Brett either, left. Either that, or she was Vince's mole. You know, like yo, it's either one or the other. Like her intuition, I never seen intuition like that. It, she 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 never missed. No, I will say that she like, was on point with everything. She, yeah, I think Brett has also told her everything that's happening. So she knows Sean, he, he got heat with him. And by proxy, Triple H also has heat. Like, he don't like neither one of them. So she probably, like, always, like, telling her, like, hey, man, like, they always involved and stuff. They big, messy. And then they out there when he gets screwed by Vince. Mm. He's probably like, yeah, of course they had something to do with it. Like, <laughs> it probably wasn't that hard to put two and two together. I'm sure. I don't know if Brett even believed Sean when he lied, like, when he said it. Right. He probably just accepted it in that moment. And but as kid was there, too, it, like, I'm not sure he would have. You know, started anything, and uh, I, I think when Vince came in the locker room, his we didn't see his kid there, but his kid was there when he was asking Sean about it. So I, he's probably just you knew the cameras were rolling. So let's see if we can get Sean to say right. something. You know? At the end of the day, we all know who pulled the trigger. It's not Sean. It's not Triple H. It's Vince. So Brett was right to sucker punch Vince of all people. Oh, yeah, which that was great too. You know, and you get that iconic shot of Vince limping down the hallway <laughs> with Shane Hilarious. behind him. Hilarious. He, Vince somehow right into my hand. Vince uh, ran into my hand, but I drilled him. You know, about as hard as I could. Knocked him right out. You knocked those Vince McMahon with a punch? And I told him to get out. <laughs> Clocked his ass, put him to sleep, and told him to Which, get, get your ass out of here. And the next night on Nitro, Eric Bischoff being like, you know, they come out, and the NWO comes out in the Canadian flags, and it's like, I hear Brett's a real knockout kind of guy. And I'm just like, what does he mean by that? <laughs> and I didn't know until, you know, I saw the documentary. <laughs> Yo. Bro, yeah, that's that was, crazy how they WCW they did not care, bro. They, <laughs> it was trash. <laughs> it was trifling. <laughs> like everyone, like everyone's cracking up when Bischoff says that line too. And it's even crazy Hogan's how like, fast oh. that traveled. Like how fast that word traveled. That happened the next. They talked about it the next day, bro. How many people hopped on the phone that night? Like you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna believe what just happened, bro. Backstage, bro. Like. Yeah, you saw it, right? You saw the screw job. Yo, Brett knocked him out right on, right on the spot, bro. Like, right immediately. Like, <laughs> and, and, and then, then Bischoff on the other line, a word? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, say bro, right in front of everybody. Wife cussing everybody out, to, saying God going to strike him down. It was crazy, bro. 
<laughs> a word? <laughs> Say less. <laughs> we, got, we got a segment for Nitro. We're ready to go. I, I got it from here. <laughs> That's so wild. There was no internet. There was no texting. Holy smokes. <laughs> They had to actually hop on the horn to call somebody. They had to hop dial a number like, yo, <laughs> who am I going to call right now? They ain't just, there's no Twitter. They had to hop on the horn at the hotel. They didn't even have a cell phone probably. Paper, they had to go yeah. back to the hotel, hold this story in, wait till they got back to the telly, and then hopped on the phone like, yo. That's crazy, man. What a time For it was real. in 1997. And hope, hope they had the hotel so they could pick up. <laughs> you got knocked up. <laughs> Vince getting knocked out is like the coup de grace to the whole movie. <laughs> and it, the funniest part is like when he does that interview with Jr. He's got the black eye, and it's just like it's really funny to me. Like you know, Bischoff <laughs> making man. that joke, and then a couple weeks later, Vince is doing that interview, and he's got a black eye. And I'm like putting two and two together. Like, did Bret Hart punch Vince, and I not see it? <laughs> like. That man went on TV, though, and said what any toxic person would say. They, they blamed a victim. He right. said, with a black eye that Brett gave him, that Brett screwed Brett. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to speak with Brett, because you know he's watching, what would you say to him now? It's too bad that a 14-year relationship was destroyed because one member of that relationship forgot that we're in the sports entertainment business. Forgot where he came from. Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. What a garbage human being that is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's some bullshit. That's, that's wild. You straight lied to that man and then said he forgot about the business. That oh, <laughs> my goodness. Got lied to. He is your champion, and you approached him saying, you got to go. Like, come on. Like, right. Two months. Two months ago, you know? So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much wrestling with shadows. I mean, Brett's upset. He goes to WCW. Vince is a piece of trash, and that's pretty much. <laughs> I love, I love the, the ending. <laughs> you know, kind of Brett's outside of a gate or something, and he's talking about how Brett, how Vince exploits the wrestlers. I thought that kind of you could still hold up Vince today. Vince has always had this mentality about treating wrestlers like circus animals. All these wrestlers that have broke their backs making this living for years end up with nothing when it's over. And then they sort of take you out back and they put a slug in the back of your head and dump you out. And uh, that's the life of a professional wrestler. And in my case, um, the, the, the demands that I made and the, the, the things that I won over from a contract standpoint were all demands that uh, put the power back into the wrestler's hands somewhat. Maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe I was becoming too powerful. And now it's time for Vince McMahon, the promoter, to tear this guy down maybe it's just something that he just wanted to prove to himself that he could still do it I, I, i'll never know but i know that he was wrong dead wrong mm. yeah that's uh man he took that 
hard, man. Understandable. Understandable. But that's the end of the movie of Wrestling with Shadows. The greatest so, documentary Brian, I'm start of with all you. time. Was that? The greatest documentary of all time. Maybe from wrestling, but you got you got to get a wider time. frame of reference. Of all time. <laughs> you got a wider frame of reference where you <laughs> make such a declaration. Of all time. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with y'all about just kind of like your thoughts after the fact, after watching it now, again, after, you know, having not watched it, I'm sure, in a while. Uh... What are your thoughts about Wrestling with Shadows and, and Brett and Vince and the whole, again, rehashing this whole story again of the Montreal Screwjob? Uh, 25 years ago, I was entering my senior year in high school. I was 17 years old and a huge Bret Hart fan. And I was pissed off. Uh, fast forward 25 years later, I'm a married man with 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 two beautiful daughters and it still pisses me off <laughs> <laughs> I love Brett man they did Brett dirty <laughs> you know I mean I'm never Vince is my guy I love Vince too but that I, I he he was just wrong just wrong and I always hated Shawn Michaels so that it was it was it wasn't hard for me to hate him I got love for Triple H, but he was dead wrong too, because he was in on it. Earl was in on it too. Everybody that was in on it, like, just I lost a little bit of respect for them because they lied. We're they they they're all grown men, like we said a few times in this episode. They're all grown men. You don't have you shouldn't have to be lying to people as adults. But they were lying. They were lying and robbing and screwing and. <laughs> It's just messed up. But I will say, I will say that uh, uh, it wasn't as funny 25 years ago. It's hilarious now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause, you know, time time does heal all wounds, and Brett has reconciled with Vince and Sean and everybody. So you can look at things differently now, and and some of that stuff is just downright hilarious. Yeah, so I that's agree. my it's, thoughts on uh, on uh, wrestling with shadows. Yeah, it's interesting to see all these characters that we know. Like you said, they get along now, but like back then they did not. And it's the height of the drama that was happening <laughs> back in '97 was just so much with grown adults. But uh, Nick, what are your final thoughts on wrestling with shadows? Oh man, what a a great look behind the scenes of. Uh, this was originally supposed to wrap up, uh, I think, a year, you know, like within a year. So once, or maybe around uh, September or October of '97. So when Brett was told by Vince to, you know, like he was going to have to let him go, the director or producer Paul J was able to convince Brett to keep the documentary going, and I think that's just a great call, like. We were able to see literally the screw job behind the scenes, and uh, I think there's nothing else like it in, in wrestling, at least. Uh, you know, we mentioned Beyond the Mat earlier, but uh, this has got to be, you know, it's one of the biggest wrestling stories of the last 25 years, if not the biggest. So, uh, just still, I, I think it holds up, and it is funny, like 
25 years ago how petulant these grown-ups are but uh it's still you know that's the wrestling business and i think it's almost required viewing for any wrestling fan if you haven't seen it yet uh you know god forbid you haven't heard anything about the montreal screw job at this point uh definitely you have to go watch this uh it's just great and, it, and it's a great look at you know when a wrestler takes himself seriously as a hero and like you know if you're gonna portray a pro wrestler as a global hero uh it's cool to see somebody take that seriously and not just do it you know as you know for the money or you know uh just follow the money uh, do greener pastures and wcw but that doesn't matter what matters to me is my fans who knows how much of that is a lot of truth or not but it's what brett i don't know if you can really say brett was lying about all that because that's truly how he felt you know and uh i think that's cool it's very unique in professional wrestling to have someone like brett hart uh, view the industry the way he did and I'm not sure we'll have somebody like that again who views the industry that was brought up and, you know, his dad's wrestling promotion in, in Canada and then a, basically a global superstar within, what, five, six years uh, when he became champion for the first time and let alone the second time when he was really, like, carrying the company uh, 94 into 95. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just a really cool story that ends shitty, you know, it's just kind of like, damn, anyone else but Brett, man, come on, why don't it have to be Brett, but wrestling wouldn't be the way it is today, if not for that whole thing, too, so. Right. Yeah, that was well put, that was well, I guess, I don't know, was it for the better? I don't know, but definitely changed, I think, how people view a lot of people, including who at the time and in hindsight was kind of rotten to Brett, man. Like straight up lied to him and was probably trying to just discard him, which was what Brett, I think, was ultimately most afraid of. I think he was just afraid of being discarded like so many others before him. Uh, And again, in hindsight, we can look at it and say, again, he could have probably overcame whatever questionable so what it could have thrown his way. But he didn't have that benefit, obviously. He was living it in real time. And back in them days, people didn't just make those wild character swings like that. Not often, at least. Because it was still very new, it made Brett paranoid. And Vince was paranoid. At least that's what he's saying. He was paranoid about Brett going on TV, WCW TV with the belt. And he could have been just trying to you know, cover up the fact that he was just trying to and discard Brett, but... Only Vince, I guess, truly knows that, right? Like, we can, only he can say that, what his true intentions were. So, yeah, it just, Brett was in a tough spot. You know, he, he was taking himself very seriously, and even though everything else around him was becoming less so, uh, he wasn't really trying to adapt. Because, again, he was already 40 by 97, and, and there was an entire generation of wrestlers younger than him that did not want to adhere to, like, the traditional rules that Brett literally grew up with. In a wrestling household. And to Brett, he was right. Like, And he honestly was right. Like, things were changing. But the 90s changed. Everything else around him changed, too. So he, either you adapt or you're the old guy just <laughs> talking about how the younger kids don't got it figured out. They don't know what they're doing, all that. Like, 
every generation looks down to the next one. I, I try not to, because this is what the change is inevitable. That's what makes the world go. We can't stay the same forever, and we can't knock it, knock it, and it's going to change whether we like it or not. You can't fight a tidal wave. But at the end of the day, Vince could have just fuck, just gave Brett what he wanted. <laughs> he could have just gave him what he wanted. He could have just gave him what he wanted because Vince lied to a guy who was loyal to him for 14 years. Brett never let Vince down. Never. And turned down life-changing money to remain loyal to the company that made him. And Vince repaid it with a knife to the back. <laughs> get out of here. In Canada. <laughs> right. Like, get out of here. And it's like, that's kind of wild, though. Like, because... Th- this, the amount of sacrifices Brett had had to have made over the years in the name of, you know, working for Vince. How many birthdays he probably missed? How many, you know, funerals he probably missed? Just events, kids' baseball games, kids' report card conferences. He missed all of that. Doctor's appointments. All those day-to-day things that we had to do as parents that we take for granted. We're like, oh, I got to take the kids to the dentist. Like, like nobody looks forward to that. But Brett, Brett missed all of that in the name of working for Vince. And then Vince turns around and does that to him. That's kind of rough, man. That's real rough. And it, I, you can yeah. see why uh, Brett took it hard. And I guess he could have just lost, you know. But at that, but to his point again, it would have been a terrible way to, to send off the hitman in WWF. Mm-hmm. That would have stunk. So. Yeah, and it's funny, you know. There, there's a footage. There's footage of him in the gym working out uh, earlier in the documentary, and he's like, uh, you know, I, when I get out, you know, I want to stay out, talk about wrestling. And it's like, it's funny that he was 40, and at that time frame, you know, 40 wasn't the way 40 is now in the wrestling industry, where we got wrestlers that are in their 50s uh, still putting out quality matches and stuff today. Uh, he could have easily retired too, but he just was not ready to let that go. As long as he could still wrestle, he wanted to wrestle. I mean, I'm sure he had enough money to just retire if he wanted to, but that's part of it where, you know, maybe the love of wrestling was just too much. He didn't want to walk away just yet where, you know, what what could have, what's the right way for a character like the Hitman to retire? You know, would it have been in Canada? Would it have been losing to his main rival? And instead of going to WCW, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of money for sure, like that you would pass up. But at forty, he was not ready to walk away. So, but he was, he couldn't wait to get out of the business. If it seemed like from that particular interview, but that should have been even more reason Brett should have took the three years for nine million off top. He he was already looking for a way out. Right, here's a short term deal with big money. That's exactly what you want, right? It's time to cash. If I'm 40, 40. right, when you're 40, <laughs> that's your pastime to cash in. You put in the work, bro. Like, you've been champion, hit champion four times by that point. You're the main event at WrestleMania. Your you didn't miss. You know? like, he said he missed anything. two shows in 14 years. Bro, it's time to get paid. It was been time to get paid. You 40? Get paid. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, that's. Look, and that's just the way it was back then. People just wasn't as business savvy. But, you know, we've you look at the sports and the athletes. More athletes back then were going broke, <laughs> you know, because they didn't know how to manage their money. <laughs> but guys today, not only do they make more, but I would assume they have more awareness about how to spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least there's more resources available to them than there were before, even if they still 
spend it foolishly, uh, which I'm still sure happens, but it was happening at a higher rate back in the day because dudes wasn't making that much and they were spending it all. So that's just how it was. Um, But that's Wrestling with Shadows. Again, a very, uh, very uh, unique behind the scenes look at wrestling at that time. They got a lot of access, man. They put in a lot of work. It would have been great, um, I think, even without the screw job, because it felt like we right, learned was, a lot of, of behind the scenes. It's like they that. struck gold when that happened. Right, like they yeah. were backstage for that. They wasn't even trying to cover that. <laughs> like that why they were there. They were there for over a year, but for like a year before that happened, for like the whole summer leading up to that exactly. point. Exactly. They had no idea that was right. Jim Ross even mentioned on the Canadian Stampede pay per view that, you know, cameras were following Brett around for filming a documentary. So we knew like that was happening. So <laughs> yeah, and everybody did, even the viewer, if you were paying attention to what Jr. said. So I remember hearing that and like, oh, that, that'll be that should be interesting. And then hoping, uh, you know, remembering him saying that and being like, well, I hope they were still rolling when the screw job happened because <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't get released till you know December of '98. So I wasn't sure. You know, I just gotten the internet in '98, so I wasn't sure. You know, the status of this documentary. So. I'm glad it was uh, when it was released. I was able to watch it and you know get that you know behind the scenes look at everything. <laughs> yeah, and it was still rolling, boy. Even when Vince got knocked out, that kept the cameras going. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, by the way. Owen coming out and telling Julie that like prep, you know, knock Vince out, and Julie's being like, "Oh my god!" And Owen looking right at the camera, like, "I don't want to be filmed." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just they got so much stuff. Owen, That's great. Owen didn't sit down. Maybe he did sit down for the movie, and once this happened, he wanted to be removed from it or something. I don't know. But yeah, maybe. I feel like Owen. None of the uh, the Hart Foundations really yeah. talked. They weren't featured in the film and stuff. That final edit. Like, again, maybe they were, but they were. They all removed themselves or something like that. I don't know. I think Keith was the only one that got FaceTime really because <laughs> yeah, like, I think he was at his house dog. talking we didn't about it. Talking about we didn't get, yeah. We didn't get none of them, so it was interesting to see that none of them was in it. But um, with that said, though, it is time to wrap it up for episode 365. So let's start off with Brian. Plug away, mm-hmm. please, and what you got coming up next? Oh, uh, man, like I said, I'll be in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, at Uptown Comedy Corner. Uh, that is Friday, June 9th with uh, Talent Harris and man i got i got i'm excited about this book that i'm coming out with it's called jet black and um counting down the days it'll be released on black friday 2023 so excited about my first novel coming out um other than that man for all of the shows and things of that nature you can go to com, or you can catch me arguing with people on facebook and uh and instagram at the brian isley Not Twitter though, huh? Not Twitter, man. I um, mm. I don't. I I don't, I, I haven't. You can catch me on TikTok too uh, at Brian Isley Live, but at Twitter, I never really grasped. I don't. I don't get it. I guess that's just me being old. But <laughs> Twitter, I never. I never really. I never really caught on to Twitter, man. I don't know. I just get love everywhere else. I don't really get too much love on Twitter. I feel like TikTok is. But I know that's where you guys are at. 
You guys love Twitter. Well, me specifically. I feel like TikTok <laughs> isn't the place for the old folks, though. That's usually the young folks on there. But I get, I get so yeah, Brian's changing with the times, unlike Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I get a unlike ton of Brett. love on TikTok, man. I don't know why. It's weird, but you go where the love is, right? Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. All right, Nick. Yeah. Take follow, us out with some plugs, please. Follow me at underscore Pacone on Twitter. Follow us at The Shooters Pod on Twitter, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Shooters Pod. You can check me out at phillyinfluencer.com, foxphlgambler.com. Uh, Money in the Bank roundtable, hopefully, coming at you at the end of this month. It'll uh, you know plan that accordingly. And uh, SummerSlam. Maybe uh, some SummerSlam news coming down the pike, so stay tuned. Fox, oh. foxphlgambler.com. Oh, so SummerSlam news, news. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to that. Well, I'm at Von M Johnson on Twitter. You can find me there. You'll possibly find me out here in these streets. Uh, you can find me at Wrestling Junkie, which is of course USA Today's wrestling vertical, sort of like MMA Junkie, but for wrestling. So check me out there. I write columns every week. I had a column this past week about CM Punk returning to AEW and what it means and. Uh, you know, you know, some perspective on that. Uh, but check us out on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash the shooters pod, where you can put in a request for a future deep dive. And when you put in that request, we will fulfill it. And when we fulfill it, we even let you make a cameo on the show to talk about the content that we're diving into. It does not have to be a show or a, a, an event, a wrestling event. It can be a documentary like Wrestling with Shadows. It could be a uh, episode of a TV show that a wrestler appeared on or a music video that appeared, <laughs> a wrestler appeared in or something like that. Either way, as long as it's wrestling related, we're all about it. Again, patreon.com slash the shooters pod. But until next time, for Brian Isley and Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 365 of the Stray Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Why does Canada suck? Because they said we suck. They started this, the one. <laughs>